Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good afternoon, good night, good morning, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge, and very excited to get started today. Uh, If you're not familiar with him, let me just do a very quick intro, and then we'll jump right into uh, the interview. And Mark is the president of Sanborn and Associates, which is an ideal lab for leadership development. And as a leadership strategist, he's authored eight books, including the international bestsellers, the Fred Factor, and uh, you don't need to t- a title to be a leader. And his ideas are taught by Crestcom International in 90 countries around the world. And he's one of the youngest ever members inducted into the Speakers Hall of Fame. So uh, it's going to be a pleasure to talk to Mark. You know, I know you've been doing quite a bit of research over the last six, seven months uh, since COVID kind of shook the world. Um, so I'd love to understand what you what you found out and uh, what you learned. Well, I learned a lot. You know, when COVID hit, one of the first questions on my mind, like anyone who owns a business or is an entrepreneur or who is self-employed, is how am I going to use the time most productively and profitably? And I'd always wanted to do some really quantitative research, not anecdotal research, because unfortunately, really... A lot of what gets passed off as research is simply observation. You know, if a speaker or a consultant sees three companies doing something, they think that's a, a fact or a trend, and, and it may or may not be. So we did a survey of 1,005 people, which gives us a statistical significance, plus or minus about 2%. And we did it across five generations because, to me, I was curious how COVID and leadership and lessons going forward were perceived by those those different generations. And there were a couple of things that really stood out, but a few things stand out. The first is overall leaders didn't do very well. Uh, you know, you can look at the glass half empty or half full. So instead of doing that, I'll just say there's a lot of room for improvement. The highest that leaders scored during COVID was on communication, and that was just slightly north of 50% of the respondents that said my leader did a good job. Where leaders did least well is in showing personal concern for those people that they lead. Uh, 27% of the respondents said uh, their leaders didn't show any personal interest or encouragement uh, for them. And, And I think it's understandable and I think it's explainable, but it doesn't make it right. You know, we were all trying to keep the wheels on, make payroll, create cash flow, shore up losses. And I think when we become very task focused, It's easy to lose sight of the real human cost of a crisis. Um, And and those those two things uh, stuck out to me. The other things that I think were really kind of interesting is that, no surprise, the generation in the workforce that was most disappointed in how their leaders responded were the, uh, the digitals or Generation Z, you know, the generation that comes after millennials. That's not surprising because most of these people were brand new to the workspace. They had no experience to benchmark against, right? It wasn't like they'd been in the workforce 5, 10, 15 years. And they really bore the brunt of having their expectations shattered um, in terms of how COVID affected them and their new work. At the same time, what I found interesting and encouraging is, is that those are the people most 
hopeful about the future. Uh, 45% of them thought their uh, productivity would be better. 40% thought their relationships would be better and their lives would be better. So as a result of that, I have kind of coined a term, and there's a reason I use the words in this order, uh, and that is uh, optimistic anxiety. Uh, 57% of Americans are anxious about life after COVID, but a lot are still very hopeful. And since the majority are more anxious than optimistic, I put anxiety as the noun and optimism or optimistic as the adjective. And in short, if I were going to summarize a whole lot of data, I would say this. I think the great opportunity and challenge for leaders today is to reduce the anxiety their employees and their customers face. And, and there's very real ways to do that. This isn't some kind of wishful thinking. And to not stop there, but to help deliver on that promise of a better future, because we can uh, come out of whatever this is. We're not out of it yet, but we can come out of this better, and people are ready to come out of it better if we only help them do that, give them the, the resources and, and show them the way. And it's something that Daniel, CEO of Growth Institute, I think talks about in every conversation he has with our community. It's not only looking at what's going to change, but what are the things that are not going to change oh. and building your business and your BHAG and things like that on the things that are not going to change. And then just making sure that you're always continuing to advance and over deliver to your community. Well, I'm glad you said that because um, probably of the five or six key messages I've, I've been presenting online to audiences around the world probably one of the key messages of the five or six key messages is, is this, and that is there's two questions you've got to continually ask yourself now. The first one is not a surprise, and that's what's important now. In other words, what's different, what's changed, what do we have to do differently? The problem is, and, and, and Daniel nailed it, you've got to ask a second question, which is what always matters? Because a lot of things don't change. We still want success, value, service, relationship, quality. We haven't abandoned our desire for those things, what we have done is just started to change our expectations about how they're delivered. In the course that you have at Growth Institute, Potential Principle in your book, um, you say that leaders don't necessarily need to know the answers. What they need to know is how to ask the right questions. So uh, in your experience, what are some of the questions or how do we figure out what the questions we should be asking, not only ourselves, but our teams as well? I'll start with what I think is one of the most important questions right now, uh, and, and I apologize, it's so cliche, I hate to say it, but it's more true now than it's ever been, and that is, uh, how do we not play not to lose, but how do we play to win? Because right now, and I get it, I mean, survival precedes thrival, right? But I think a lot of people have instantly abandoned any hope for winning, and they've just focused on not losing. And that limits you, you know, it limits your thinking and it makes, puts you on the defensive rather than the offensive. Uh, you know, one of the other questions that um, I've always uh, recommended we consider is not how do we make our numbers or achieve our goals? That's a good question. But the bigger question is how do we pursue our potential? Because I've never met anyone or met or, or worked with any organization that could tell me or prove to me they were performing at their peak potential. Potential is kind of an unknown. You know, we know how good we've become, right? But we don't know how good we could be. And so by shifting that question, it doesn't mean we don't make our numbers or pay attention to our goals. It means 
we add on that overlay of and what is possible? What are, what are we capable of? I'm curious if you think leadership is going to undergo any other major shifts in the next 12 to 24 months. Are we going to see a new wave of best practices um, that are not only good, but you know, part of outstanding leadership? Um, I think one of the, the biggest mistakes that many leaders made during COVID was this idea of over-communicating. Uh, over-communicating isn't the answer. Uh, it's communicating better, more concisely, more efficiently, so that when they saw your email or your text or your phone number on caller ID, they said, I better listen or look or read. So I think that this idea of over-communicating, we, we've already got more communication that we can deal with. I think the goal is to communicate better, not more. That's one, I think, mistake that we a lot of people made during COVID. I think one of the big focuses going forward, which we kind of botched in COVID and we have always had room to improve on, is the idea of empathy. A um, lot of new research being done. Matter of fact, uh, depending when you when you listen to this, uh, this past weekend, the Wall Street Journal had a fascinating article on empathy and leadership. I've been talking about empathy for 20 years, but I've been talking about it uh, more in the customer service space. Empathy is the ability to understand how somebody else feels, even if you don't feel the same way. Uh, it is uh, more precisely called cognitive empathy. There is some empathy that, you know, if you and I are Denver Broncos fans, if you're a fan, you're suffering like I am this year. Uh, and we have a shared sense of suffering, right? Because we have a, a common interest. But more often than not, uh, when we're dealing with employees, empathy means, you know, I gotta really stop and think about how they feel, even if I don't feel the same way. And let me tie that back to that, that research data. 27% of the people said, my leader didn't show concern for me. You know what that is? It's called lack of empathy. Doesn't mean they're bad people, just means they didn't empathize. So I think from a uh, both a leadership standpoint in terms of uh, leading employees and, and relating to vendors and selling, uh, you know, we're going to see the same emphasis that we've always had, in my opinion, in that customer service space, and it's going to, to move to the forefront in leadership. Uh, we've been talking about potential principle, but your newest book, The Intention Imperative, Three Essential Changes That Will Make You the Successful Leaders Today. Uh, just before we close up, can you share what those three shifts are so that we have some takeaways uh, to go make ourselves better leaders in, in the coming year? So here are the three shifts. One is from organizational structure to culture, you know, and uh, culture is the most talked about and misunderstood concept in, in leadership today. I say it's everything we think and believe that results in what we do and achieve. And it's basically the blueprint that people operate from. During COVID, your employees didn't, as I said earlier, look at the org chart to figure out what to do. They asked themselves, what's important? What are our values? What are the key things we're trying to accomplish? So in the book, I talk about how to make that shift. Second is from motivation to inspiration. 84% uh, of millennials say they'd rather do work that matters than be recognized by their employer. And that's really commendable because it says uh, they're not just about making money. They're about making a difference. And that sounds cliche, but here, let me just define how I define uh, inspiration in my book. I say inspiration is motivation of the power of purpose. And when I would get a call from a leader and say, man, my team's demoralized, what should I do? I'd say, let's, let's go back to 
why you're trying to stay in business. What is your greater purpose? Because if you can link that purpose, people still want to be paid and they want health insurance and they want to learn. That's the motivation. But they also want that linked to something bigger and greater than themselves. And the third shift is from experience the experience economy. But I think now the question isn't what experience do you have, but how do you feel about doing business with us? Are you happier you chose us? Are you more successful because you picked us over our competitor? And the short essence of that is you've got to design and deliver for positive emotion. And that's a, that's a big shift from simply trying to manage an experience. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates, or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again, and see you next time.